Gigi is a sexuality educator with a bachelor's in gender, sexuality, and women's studies, and she is graduating with her master's in public health in May of this year with a specialization in sexuality, sexual, and reproductive health. Gigi is the founder of the Gigi Spot, a digital sexuality education platform that provides medically accurate, non-judgmental, inclusive, and comprehensive sexuality education. She does consulting work, speaking engagements, program facilitation, one-on-one consultations, curriculum design, and implementation, and works closely with trusted sex toy brands like Esmeralda SOS. Please join me in welcoming Gigi to the show today. Do you struggle with turning your thoughts and ideas into tangible goals? Like trying to get into the career you have always wanted, but are afraid of, or creating a more organized living space? How about improving your financial health or finding ways to be more authentic in relationships? My favorite. Organize with Ollie is a compassion-led and customized coaching practice that helps you be more productive, find intuitive work-life integration, increase self-worth, and achieve your goals. They are offering the first 10 magical souls who sign up 50% off your first three sessions. Please use code SB50 on organizewithollie.com or direct message on Instagram at organizewithollie. Again, use code SB50 to get 50% off your first three sessions on organizewithollie.com or on Instagram at organizewithollie. And you can find these in the show notes. Chat soon. Good evening. Tonight, I am so privileged to be joined by Gigi from the Gigi Spot. Their pronouns are she, her, hers. She is in the process of becoming a certified sex educator. She is a student obtaining her master's degree in public health with a concentration on sexuality and reproductive health. Gigi, can you say hi to our audience tonight? Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Likewise, likewise. So happy to have you on. Can you tell people a little bit of your background and kind of how you got into wanting to get your master's degree in public health with a focus on sexuality and what made you interested in becoming a certified sex educator? Sure. So um, I, the process kind of started for me of getting into sex education um, between my time. So, okay, backing up a little bit more. In college, um, in during my undergrad, I was a gender, sexuality, and women's studies major, anesthetic major also. But And from there, I got most of my interest about like advocacy surrounding sexual assaults, and that was what really started my interest in um, sexuality in general. And then after I graduated, I was teaching in Europe and had to come back because of the pandemic. So I was at home with my parents. Um, I knew I was going to be starting at columbia for starting my mph program in the fall but in that meantime so like i was living with my parents from march until august and in that time i was like mind-numbingly bored and i was like i need to like move forward keep like do something to feel like i'm moving forward in my life and that was when i started the process of becoming certified as a sexuality educator through modern sex therapy institutes and then from there, that so I started that process. I think it was like March, March or April twenty, uh, yeah, like April twenty twenty. And then in July of twenty twenty, 
I started the Gigi Spot, which started just as an Instagram account um, and has now grown into my sexuality education platform that I do a lot of different types of work with, mostly still social media-based learning, but I've also done some consulting work for private businesses, um, done some curriculum building, um, you know, just uh, done some, one of my favorite things, apart from actually teaching, is doing like more like speaking, like keynote speaking kind of thing. So uh, I've been really excited to have those opportunities. Also, I got to go teach at my alma mater, my undergrad. That was great. So yeah, I, that's kind of like what I've been doing, what I'm up to. Um, to be honest, I don't really remember the conscious decision of like deciding <laughs> public health was the way to go for me. It was really just like, I had an interest in sexuality, gender studies, like feminist studies and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And public health kind of seemed to be like a practical avenue sure. to do that. So like I could have pursued a degree in um, just like straight up like human sexuality or something like that. And that's yeah. it's not to say that's not practical. But for me, like I wanted skills that could be applied to like different areas of focus if I pivot and like switch um, career paths for some reason I don't plan on doing that but Mm -hmm. from sexuality to something else so that was how I ended up in public health specifically but I I do really enjoy aspects of public health that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise like policy and looking at different um, you know determinants of health so like the factors like you know like race or uh, socioeconomic Mm -hmm. status and geographical location and like how those things all contribute to overall health I love that that's a beautiful story and a master's degree in public health like you said you could do so much with that so many different avenues Mm -hmm. so that was that's a great and Columbia is very impressive as well so I'm so happy to hear that (laughs) that you found your niche and something you're super passionate about yeah I Columbia is one of the few um universities or colleges in the U.S. that has um, specifically like sexuality programs in public health. Sure. I think it was like Columbia and then like a school in Boston and then maybe, like <laughs> one other in the South somewhere. So like yeah. the, the options are fairly limited when you want to be specialized yeah. in something like this. But I, know. Um, I was I was happy to to start the program. Yeah, it's few and far between, right? Unless you move out, I find there's a lot of stuff in California that's really awesome. But we're on the East Coast, so (laughs) (laughs) got to deal with what you got, right? So let's just get right into it, because I know that you mentioned sexual assault, and I talk a lot on my show. I'm a sexual assault survivor, so I find that a lot of people... Um, that have been sexually traumatized or have experienced sexual violence, um, it can be hard after to connect with your sexuality for obvious reasons, you know? Um, Can we dive a little bit into that and how you can re-find your pleasure and um, have a healthy connection to sex and your sexuality after you've been sexually violated? Yeah, so I am also... Um, a survivor of sexual assault. Um, mm-hmm. It's not something that is one of my like main things that I talk about on my page. It's not something I talked about publicly until about like a year ago. Wow. Um, but for me, it was an experience I had in college, mm-hmm. and um, it was 
kind of one of those gray area situations. This is just background before I move into this, but it was kind of one of those gray area situations where I didn't really realize what it was until like a couple years later. Hmm. So I, it was like in retrospect, but I would say that for people who have experienced sexual violence um, or sexual assault, harassment, it's really about um, doing what feels comfortable because moving at your, there's no shame in taking your time, moving at your own pace. If you have a partner, like making sure that like, you know, they're being respectful of your space and time and privacy and just the people in your life, like they're, might be expectations about what a person should do or should behave like after they've been experienced sexual violence. But really those expectations are just throw them out, out the window because really it's about what's best for you and you're not obligated to do anything ever. And, you know, also like there are no rules about this. Like you can take your time and do what's best for you. Mm. Agreed. Well said. And I would also like to explore a little bit on, I think the term consent, unfortunately, a lot of people, since it has been brought out into the mainstream, I find a lot of people like joking about it now. I don't know if that's been your experience, but like, can we define what is and what is not consent? Because for me as well, the situation was very uh, skewed and I think at first I blamed myself thinking like oh well it wasn't like someone held me down and like it was a little um like a gray area similar to mm-hmm. yourself so that made things so much more confusing and I find that sexual coercion isn't talked about a lot so can mm-hmm. we kind of dive into what is and what is not consent in the appropriate way to go about asking for consent Sure. So, I mean, first of all, like none of, I'm not none of these definitions I'm giving are like legal definitions or anything like that. Um, I I think that more so I've become aware of the controversies I guess surrounding how we teach consent. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, I really wish I remembered their name. There's someone who I follow on Instagram who I want to say they're a mother and. They talk about how they talk about consent. I'll have to look for it and see if I can find it for you. But the main thing that I've been thinking about mostly in terms of consent lately is how consent is bottom of the barrel. Like consent does not equal good sex. It's not like it is. That's what we're judging good sexual contact or like experiences by. Like that's absurd. Like, if that's not, like, it's like putting a meal in front of me and saying that, like, it's there is enough. Like, but, like, but I'm hungry. Like, you know, like, there's other things mm-hmm. to, to think about. And with consent, I mean, you know, there are so many, unfortunately, gray areas. And honestly, I don't have all the answers about how to talk about consent and how to educate on consent because of these gray areas. And because depending on the person, depending on the pairing of, like, who you're with or the people that you're with, plural, like, it is so, so, it varies so much. And I think that really the focus that I have is focusing more on communication um, as kind of like a precursor and postcursor, that's not a word, but a postcursor (laughs) to consent. 
So like focusing on communication, the before of what do you like? What do you not like? Are you interested in this? When are you interested in this? You know, really having the discussions instead of, because when you're in the heat of the moment, things, things change. You some, like, I know I've experienced like, you know, you can kind of like clam up a little bit and lose, feel like you're losing your voice a bit. And like, especially if you're in a situation where there's coercion or, Mm. um, some like power, what's the word? Like a misdistribution of yes, dynamic. Thank you. (laughs) Like a power dynamic, you know, like those things really affect how we can speak up in the moment. And using communication before, during, and after is what I I like to talk most about. Mm. Yeah, that's so important, and I feel like communication is it's so necessary, but not enough of us do it or know how to do it correctly with each other Mm -hmm. and people that we're going to be intimate in some sort of way with. And it really is super important to communicate before, during, and after. And oftentimes I feel like it's one or the other. It's like before Mm -hmm. or after, but it's, it's nice to hear you say during as well is super critical. Yeah. And you know, like the, the, so the comparison I like to use when I talk about communication, and I already made one food reference, but I'm a bit, I like <laughs> Go food. for what it. Can I say? Yep. <laughs> is sex or sexual encounters or intimacy relationships, it's like going to a restaurant, sitting down, and you might have a menu in front of you. And the, but if you don't tell the waiter what you want, you don't know what you're going to get. You might like it. You might not. So obviously that's assuming a consensual encounter and that kind of stuff but like that's kind of like the mindset that I use for sexuality and like sexual encounters it's like if you don't ask for what you want or talk about what you need and you don't allow the other people at the table to order what they want like Mm. you're you know like that that leaves you in a pretty sticky situation sure sure it's funny that you brought up communication which obviously when we talk about sex communication always it does come up very often. So prior to our episode together, I asked um, Instagram followers to send in some questions that they had for you. Mm -hmm. And someone asked, how do you communicate with your partner who has a very different level of sex drive or libido than you do? Um, This specific person said that she wanted sex a lot more than her partner and it left her feeling kind of rejected that she felt she was begging them to have sex with her. So do you have any tips of ways people can healthfully communicate with a partner that the sex um, interest might be a little different in their relationship? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, um, I'm sorry, I'm just pulling something up. No worries. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. I, I have like these like answers that I, Oh, wonderful. Like They're like, I've done similar Q and A type talks before. Yeah. Where I it's a very common question. Very common question. Yeah. It, it's a question that I'm asked a lot, actually. Like, I mean, I'm sure you believe that, but, yeah. um, okay. Okay. So, oh, well, I can't find it. <laughs> naturally when you need it it's never there <laughs> oh I found it there we go cool. okay so you know reckon when you have a one if you're in a situation where one partner is um has you know a higher libido or a sex drive or just wants sex more often mm-hmm. than the other 
there are, oh, I mean, obviously these types of things are really complicated. So like, of course, um, yeah. For each relationship, each um, partnering, or what's it called? Partnership? Oh, sorry. Situation? Partnership. Each parent. Each parent. Okay. Yeah, each situation. It warns something different. Sure. And, you know, reconciling the fact that neither one of you is right or wrong in your desire is really important. Because, you know, like, there is no one correct way to be sexual. And holding space to, like, that, that to recognize that we value, value the other person mm. um, what, and their desires and, like, want to honor them to the best of your ability while still, like, maintaining a sense of, um, like being true to yourself is really important. Um, you know, a few options are redefining what sex means in your relationship. Mm. So is sex exclusively like, are you talking about intercourse? Are you talking about oral? Are you talking about, um, you know, like manual stimulation, like with your hands or, um, when talking about masturbation, like what role does masturbation have in your relationship? You know, someone who wants sex more than, um, the other partner might not, you know, feel like they have designated time or space to experience like self-pleasure. And that might be something they want to establish in the relationship. If it's intimacy that they're craving, they might, you know, talk about what other ways that they can find intimacy in their relationship. You know, is it like cuddling on the couch, watching a movie? Is it, you know, just like sitting or like holding hands, you know, like that kind of thing, like just figuring out ways to redefine intimacy or sex in your relationship to find what works best. And, you know, I mean, obviously, if it becomes an issue, maybe you're not like, this is like a newer relationship, you know, ending or evolving the relationship. Um, or, you know, I mean, in terms of evolving the relationship, rethinking monogamy, what that might look like for you um, as a in your partnership, if you were to open it up, um, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that comes with that, but it's something to think about. Hmm. That's interesting. That point I liked of redefining because especially in heterosexual relationships, a lot of people just assume penetrative sex is the only type of sex when they hear that word, right? So there's so many different options like on the table that you can talk about with your partner that you can both agree on to be intimate physically. So that, that point I think is really helpful as well. Yeah, so that kind of led to another question. I have three here today. Perfect. Um, leads right into it. Is bad sex a deal breaker? Uh, this specific person said they were feeling very sexually neglected in their relationship, that their partner kept rejecting them. And they said, I love her so much, but the sex is not up to par. Is sexual incompatibility a deal breaker? Right. I mean, yeah, that's, it's a tough situation to be in because, you know, especially if it's someone you care for and, but things just like aren't really adding up the way you want them to. And, you know, my advice to that person would be, obviously I would need a whole lot more context (laughs) to make any sort of real recommendations, but communication, communicate, communication, communication, um, asking for what you want, what you need, asking what your partner wants and needs why like talking about the discrepancies in your desire or um giving being able to give specific examples of when you are feeling neglected or um when you're feeling lonely or you know like those types of things of being able to say like you know like in this moment I felt this way and I'm wondering if we can talk about how to address that feeling when it comes up for me 
and making kind of like a little bit of like a game plan. So like if you're, if for example, you have a partner, you have sex, you do it, whatever you constitute as sex. And you know, like you're someone who prefers to like cuddle and your partner usually like gets out of bed or, you know, goes brush their teeth, whatever, like talking about your expectations, I guess is one. I mean, you're never entitled to meet someone else's expectations in this, but like talking about what you would prefer, what you would yeah. like, you know, even just knowing that like, if your partner's like, you know, I really like to cuddle with you after, but like, I really like feel the need to brush my teeth. Like I'll brush my teeth, come right back into bed and cuddle. And just like having similar expectations of what might be happening can, you know, might be able to help with that feeling of neglect. If you feel like they're just getting up and going mm-hmm. and you don't know if they're coming back, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was a beautiful point with, I know you said the word expectations, but kind of like your needs, like what are your needs communicating that from the get-go so that it kind of takes the pressure Mm -hmm. off of the encounter and you can kind of negotiate and see if you're on the same page with what you're both looking for. Right, totally. Yeah, these questions are all kind of similar now that I'm looking at them. The last (laughs) one, the last one, the person did say that their sexual needs weren't being met. Um, and they asked, it's about orgasming. She said, why can't I come? I can't come when I have sex with my partner. He always comes at the end and it leaves me feeling empty. Is there something wrong with my body? We've tried using toys and nothing helps, but I can come alone. She said that she can orgasm at home when she's engaging in solo sex. So another very common question, um, feeling like you can't achieve climax and feeling like something's wrong with you when in reality it's not is very normal and I'd love to hear your feedback on this question yeah absolutely this is so (laughs) normal this is so normal I can't even tell you I mean the questions that I get the most are is this normal or am I normal Mm -hmm. and my answer is like always yes um I don't think I've ever said no that's not normal Mm -hmm. everything most things are normal when it comes to sex and sexuality First of all, like to this person, you are not broken. There is nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your body. It's about working with what you've got and, you know, seeking out ways to solve problems if you think they're problems. So one thing I would say is um, I would really recommend reading the book, um, assuming that this person who wrote in was um, someone who has a vulva. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely recommend reading um, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. It's a very common, like, sex ed um, mm-hmm. recommended book, but I learned a ton about this topic from um, from that book, and I, as many, many, many other people have. It's great um, and Yeah, you've read it? Yes, twice. <laughs> yes, I mean, of course. It's like, a, it's like the Bible of sex education. Amen. Um, you know, also... <laughs> Also reading um, Becoming Clitter by Laurie Mintz, also another good one. But I think mm-hmm. what, for me, helped me reframe this idea of, like, why can't I get there? Or, you know, like, why isn't some, like why isn't it matching up with what I want? Like, why isn't what I want to happen in my body actually happening in my body? Um, and learning that there's so much more to it than, than skin deep, literally. Like, mm-hmm. literally, evolution, how our brains work. There's so much behind it. And, you know, it it helped me a lot in my own personal experiences of just like, it's that reassurance that you're normal and you're not broken. Um, You're not the only person who this happens to. It's very, very common. And 
I, another thing I would recommend is, you know, the number one, I would say, like, thing that prevents people from reaching orgasm during a sexual encounter or partner in sexual encounter is anxiety. Um, it's the number one performance ruiner, um, really a thorn in our side. But anxiety, the more you think about why am I not coming, mm-hmm. what's, why isn't it happening, what, you're like, you're not going to. Um, and obviously, way easier said than done. Just being like, oh, get out of your head. Like, <laughs> obviously, there's way more to it than that. But there are a lot of different ways to um, engage with your brain and, like, really get in the headspace of um, being able to get there for yourself. But one thing I would suggest is also thinking about your goals when you're having sex or sexual contact. Is, is your goal orgasm or does it have to be orgasm? There's so much more to sex and sexual intimacy than just an orgasm. And I mean, orgasms are great, but you know, like what would it mean for you to look at sex as an opportunity to experience pleasure, be mindful of pleasure, be present in your own body without thinking about the end result and without looking forward, but really being present. Yeah, 110%. I completely agree. The orgasm doesn't always have to be the end goal it could just be about connection and like you said it's a great side effect it's a great secondary consequence Mm -hmm. but um it doesn't always have to be the case right and i mean obviously it's an important thing for a lot of people and if it is something that you're concerned about always talk to a help like a trusted healthcare provider someone that you know will take your concerns seriously um and you can also, if you have questions, I'm sure I can give you some more resources if you want to DM me on Instagram or whatever. Uh, but also, one other thing I want to mention is in the, the person who wrote in said that, you know, like their partner always has an orgasm at the end. And I think especially in heterosexual relationships, we have this sexual script that Lori Mintz talks about in her book. But, you know, it's like hand stuff, mouth stuff, penetration man orgasms or person with the penis orgasms and then you're done Mm -hmm. and I think it's kind of just like this prescribed narrative that we all get so stuck in that like that's not the finale like (laughs) you know like there's there's more that can happen there's more that can go on it doesn't have to be the end and I think we all consider it like the like fireworks end of the night like you know but there's so much more and like pleasure doesn't require an erection um for anyone Yeah, I completely agree. I used to get so annoyed with that in one of my past relationships. They would just stop after they were done. And I was kind of just like, well, what about about me? Like, you know, and um, that person actually, it's a a good thing. It was a silver lining. They asked me um, what was wrong with my vagina that I wasn't orgasming. And they said, like, all the other girls I've been with had have orgasm except you and I was just like all right bye red flag secret they probably (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't want to knock this person down and I don't know them but like you know it's it's just statistically statistically yeah yeah, not okay you could keep thinking that if that makes you feel better about yourself right and I mean another thing that's super common is um for a lot of people, including myself and like my friends and the people in my life is, I mean, like everyone I know is on antidepressants or, you know, some sort of like 
medication for a mental health condition or um, whatever. And mm-hmm. those really affect your sexual response. So for like SSRI specifically. So if you talk to your psychiatrist or a neurologist or, you know, whoever you get these prescriptions from and say like, hey, this is a concern I'm having. Is that a side effect of my medication? Yeah. That's that's totally valid and like very common. Yeah, it is. Also, birth control can have that effect as well, I've read. Yeah, specifically like oral uh, contraceptives can dry you up like a desert. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, lubrication is like a big vehicle for Yeah, sure. we love lube. Lube just makes love sex it. so much better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love it. Big fan. Yes, for sure. Was there any other common questions or myths that you think people um, will ask you or commonly assume about sex that you'd like to address? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, like I said, the biggest question that I get asked is, is that normal? Is this normal? Am I normal? And really the message that I want everyone to hear when I say is, yes, you're, you're normal, you're fine, you're good, and you're perfect the way you are in your own body. If there's something you want to change about your body, like, knock yourself out. I celebrate you for that and power to you. But the way you are is good enough and you're not broken. I think that we all get so stuck in this mindset of I'm the problem. And it's something that we're told always. Like, you know, like if there's something wrong, like we have to fix it. But what if there's not everything to fix in ourselves? And it's really just about reframing and thinking outside the box of what we've been told for so, so long. And, you know, we're also trained by society not to talk about these things and talk about sex and talk about orgasms and talk about pleasure. And especially, you know, women and marginalized communities, like there are so many factors in sexuality that like aren't, like it doesn't exist in a silo, like Mm -hmm. everything affects your sexuality and your sexual expression and who you are and your identity. Like there's so much going on. So, you're not broken. It's part of who you are. And like perfection is not a requirement for sexuality. Like there's nothing that says you have to show up and be your best self. Really. The only thing that's required is consent. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Completely agree. And I, I'd love to transition right what you said into talking about bodies and perfection and societal standards because I know I felt that way I don't know about you Gigi but like I felt like any time that I got naked in front of someone I had to look like this porn star model and that if I had cellulite or my my boobs weren't quote-unquote big enough that like I wasn't good enough and I shouldn't have sex because I wasn't like worthy of pleasure and I'd love to dive deeper into those societal stereotypes and um, precognitions that glorify only certain body types and how do we love our body in a society that tells us that we're not lovable as the way we that we are isn't that the million dollar question (laughs) yeah if we had an answer for that right now we could be billionaires um i wish yeah wouldn't that be nice Mm -hmm. i'd have a lot lot of fun stuff to do with that um you know i mean i think first it's really important to acknowledge that like the beauty standard that we have is it's racist, it's classist, it's ableist, it's all of the ists except mm-hmm. feminist. But, like, true, there's nothing inclusive about our ideal body in current society. And, of course, we talk about this, and, like, the ideal is not universal. 
um, you know, in the U.S. Like, it, and also just really driving home that it's so racialized and that has a huge effect on this. And um, book I'm reading right now is great. I, I'm not that far into it, so I can't promise that it's totally related to this. But uh, the book that I'm reading right now is called the body is not an apology oh yes also, Great freaking also book. a very yeah also a very popular book but i actually haven't read it my mom held it to me recently it's very good but, i can um, assure you <laughs> yes yeah, so so far it seems really great and relevant to this question so highly recommend but i mean you know i've struggled with body image my entire life um with my body size with hair with you know just everything and we're told we're always told that once again like we're the problem and we have to fix ourselves but i'm just, you know trying every day actively to think more about how we can fix the expectations and the world around us and not think of ourselves as the problem mm-hmm. um you know like what would it look like for us to take the energy that we spend hating our bodies mm-hmm. and put it into something else yeah. like you know, even just, like, telling a stranger that, like, they look nice that day, you know, like, taking, like, an ounce of that self-hate and, like, yep. turning it into something beautiful, like, how radical is that? Yep. Completely. Can you imagine? <laughs> the yeah, energy. I mean, the time. Like, yep. Ugh. Time and money, I mean, it's endless. Yeah, all those uh, years I spent straightening my hair in high school could have solved world hunger by now. <laughs> like, it was just yeah. like the things that we put ourselves through, thinking that we're a problem to be solved and that like we'll never be good enough because we don't look X, Y, and Z way. It's just like you don't yeah. have to look a certain way to be loved and worthy of pleasure. Yeah. You really do. And I, absolutely. And I think, you know, for myself, I've actually, like, been on a journey recently. It sounded really cheesy just saying a journey, but, like, mm-hmm. a journey to learn more about myself. And I've been doing, like, some counseling or coaching oh. with Jess Baker, who's a great author, nice. uh, great activist. If you're familiar, everyone go check out Jess, um, J-E-S with one S, Baker. Um, and something I've learned through my coaching with her is how me and my body image like how I feel about my body isn't even really about my body it's about my feelings of failure Mm. and like are how you know like in society we're told to look this certain way so me not looking that way is a failure and as an overachiever you know like I I strive to achieve and like how do I live like this if I'm if I feel like I'm a failure at my very core just existence but like how crazy is it that like I'm definitely not the only one that feels that way but what if we all just like stopped feeling like that that's like something I've been thinking about a lot lately damn that like hit like that's so freaking true you feel like you're failing because you are in a certain way size by existing oh that is so this was like a huge breakthrough for me this was like in the last couple months so like Jess Baker, man, just changes lives every day. Wow, that's facts. So what are some ways that, like, we can deal with our insecurities, especially sexually when we're so vulnerable, you know, naked in front of a person that we feel could be judging us based off of how we look or feeling insecure sexually because of our, you know, if we have a penis, a penis size or a breast size or 
even vulvas now are being shamed for not looking a certain way. So what are some strategies or tools that maybe you've personally used or you can suggest for people who are feeling this type of body shame? Yeah, I mean, shame is associated with all of our body parts, like, from day one. Like, you can even think about something that's not catalyzed, like, shame around periods and, like, mm-hmm. natural biological biological processes that are, like, literally, like, help humanity. Like, yeah. our bodies look a certain way. And, you know, there's two ways of approaching it. You can go towards, like, this body celebration, like, body positivity kind of thing. Or just going towards body neutrality, which is just, like, I exist I am enough, and, like, that's it. Whereas, you know, body positivity celebration, that's more like, yeah, I look hot. (laughs) And, you know, like, if that feels like a stretch for you right now, maybe start with neutrality. Mm. But something that I consciously began doing, I mean, a while back, but, you know, we joke a lot about bodies in ways that are pretty harmful. And, I mean, that's not a secret. That's not wild thought that I just came up with, but even just like you know things as common as like penis jokes and it's something you know people joke about penis sizes on tv it's in movies yeah you know in between our friends and you know just actively you know kind of stopping that and being conscious of how even those like little tiny messages that we get affect how we feel about our bodies because it's not about the size or shape or color of your body it's the fact that you exist is fine and perfect and good enough. And like, if you're feeling self-conscious with the partner, maybe that's not the partner for you. Like your partner's there to celebrate you and you're there to celebrate them and you're there to celebrate each other. Like it's supposed to be a fun, beautiful thing and mutual appreciation. Like it's, it shouldn't be a thing like sex and intimacy. It shouldn't be about finding the flaws in someone you're there hopefully because you see the beauty in this person whether that's like a one-night stand at a bar you think someone's hot or like they are the father of your children and he's a great father and you love him dearly you know like <laughs> there's like a lot of different ways to interpret that but like finding the there the person is there hopefully because they found some beauty in you whether that's physical or emotional or spiritual blah 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 but you know like keeping that in mind and asking for reassurance is fine Saying, like, hey, I'm feeling insecure right now, and I can really use some validation. That's totally fair. It's asking for what you want. It's asking for what you need. Yes. Total fan of advocating for what you want, especially in a world that tells us that we shouldn't speak up and just especially as Mm -hmm. like someone that is a vulva owner like I've been conditioned to that my needs don't matter that I should just suck it up and I remember one time I was with someone that would always be so grossed out because I didn't shave my legs like I I fucking hate shaving so I don't even do it but I oh you and me both it's just not my thing so they were so disgusted and after a while I was just kind of like you're probably not the right person for me because if if that's if you're just disgusted by my hair I'm disgusted body, by you yeah <laughs> body hair is normal like, it's there for a reason like and oh. also like if you've got a problem with it shave my legs for me like, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm not gonna do it <laughs> oh don't get me started but yeah I think that's a huge thing though that it's like super gendered and also super racialized with like hair texture and um hair quantity I mean like I can't think of a single person I know who like has never in their life felt the pressure to shave their legs or their armpits or what like it's yep to conform I mean, I, 
it's, I mean, yeah, that's been a thing since like, I want to say it was like the early to mid 1900s. But like, I don't know. I, that's just one of those things where I'm like, I need everyone to just, everyone who's got a problem with body hair to just get over it. Like, I don't have the time to educate you on this. It's just there. (laughs) And it weirds me out that like, it's totally fine for hair to be on my head and my eyebrows and my eyelashes. But like from there down, it's a no go. Yeah. Talk about conditioning and programming that is so like insidious. We don't even realize it sometimes. Right. Like one time I dressed up as Frida Kahlo for Carnival one time. And I was like, I like was drawing in like, a unibrow and I was like the irony of the fact that I've spent probably a zillions of dollars at this point in my life removing my unibrow <laughs> yes. just to draw it back on ditto yeah. yeah and I must say that the photos behind you you can't see her right now but they're absolutely stunning I've been staring at them this oh. whole time they're beautiful thank beautiful you they're Pinterest Pinterest copies oh, I love it <laughs> It's great. Well, Gigi, can you tell our listeners about what you're currently working on, where they can find you, and everything in between? Yeah, so you can find me on at my website, which is the Gigi Spot, T-H-E-G-I-G-I Spot dot, uh, dot org, and at my Instagram, which is the Gigi period spot, and yeah, from there you can find all my links and, you know, all of that good stuff and, like, discount codes and resources and all of that sort of stuff and in terms of stuff i'm working on right now um you know there'll be some more updates with my i work closely as you do with um esmeralda sos so i've been working on some new stuff with her some stuff that's coming um don't want to give it away but stay tuned um i've also just started um kind of like an initiative to create in um a directory of sexuality educators um, whether you're like an educator or, you know, like you own like a sexual health product, like I use the term educator very loosely and this would actually like certified, like, sure I am, but like that's not what this is for, but really just want to make like a database of the people who are doing this work because we are often aren't recognized and we're often censored and, mm, you know, yes. I mean, <laughs> the worst. So like finally, you know, hopefully making an effort towards building more of a community where we aren't being silenced and at least just being able to find someone who you know specializes in a certain area or you know that kind of thing so feel free that's a link in my instagram bio and it's on my website so if you're interested in joining um feel free to check that out but yeah just really the best way to stay up to date with me and what i'm doing is on my instagram and um and yeah isn't it ridiculous that you can't use the word sex we have to use Segs is something I see a lot. Yeah. It's just like freaking ridiculous. I can't even. Don't get yeah. me started. <laughs> it's just yeah. Unbelievable. Tell you it's the worst. Unbelievable. But I love the GG spot. That's so clever. Um, and <laughs> I will. Thank you. My mom actually helped me come up with it. <laughs> oh my goodness! So you can thank her for part of Your that. Your mom sounds awesome. <laughs> oh, she's great. Love to hear it. So we'll link all of that in the show notes as well for people to check out your amazing work. And I just wanted to say I really appreciate this conversation. I think that our listeners will benefit a lot from the information that was shared. And thank you so much for coming on today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, to everyone listening, like, you're not broken. You are normal. And you are 
you're good just the way you are. And if you ever have any questions, you can always slide into my DMs and I'm happy to chat. Thank you so much for listening to Spiritual and Bipolar with Lauren Coletti. If you would like to support the show, you can enter to win a $25 Avi gift card by rating me five stars and sending me a screenshot of your five-star review via Instagram, which I will list in the show notes. If you are enjoying Spiritual and Bipolar, I would love it if you shared with a friend or someone you think could benefit from the show. I would love to hear from you, so never hesitate to reach out and tell me your thoughts, suggestions for guests and topics, or apply to share your story on the show. All my love.